the famously known farm boy to financially free Rock Thomas on episode 169 on the Humans 2.0 podcast is here to just absolutely debut the knowledge needed to operate your mind. And from the humble beginnings that his life started just on a farm off Montreal, he quickly rose to becoming a self-made millionaire and today eventually doing a billion dollars. He just realized that the financial success is just a part of something bigger. And from that point on, he has been on a mission to travel the world. He studied with people like Deepak Chopra, Tony Robbins, Jack Canfield, Rob Kawasaki, and so much more. If you guys enjoy this, if we say anything that sticks out to you, take a screenshot of this and put it up on your Instagram story and make sure you tag Rock and I so we can give you some good old love. Enjoy. So, Rock, the first question that I like to ask my guests is, how do you spend your time here on planet Earth? You know, I spend most of my time physically moving my body and mentally mm. trying to stimulate my mind so that I can evolve. I believe that life is about becoming more enlightened so that when you get to the next level of the Mario game, whatever that is, maybe you believe in reincarnation or maybe you believe in, you know, just evolving as a person, then it you, you have that chance. So I try to play full out mentally and physically and emotionally. Wow. That's such an amazing answer. So, you know, we were talking about this before we got on the call, but I first found out about you from a, an amazing goal cast video. I would say it's in the top three goal cast videos that I've seen. And I've seen a lot, man. And when I first learned about your story, I was so touched because you know you talked about so many different points like living a life of quiet desperation other people labeling you as things getting bullied and then proving yourself to your dad constant action kind of running into these you know different traps and you know I I found it very relatable but you know rock I guess I just want to start this and say you know what? What have been the the biggest shaping factors on your life, and and what what's what's the story? What's the origin story of Rock Thomas? Well, you know, I think we all want to belong. We all want to be part of something. We all want to make a difference. We all want to matter. And we hear about this bullying, and I think it happens because deep down inside, somewhere it was affirmed to us that we're not enough. And most people, unfortunately, start to live out that script. And they look for places to validate it, not consciously, but unconsciously. And they go into environments and they're, they're not picked to play on the pickup, you know, football team. They're not the class president. And they start to shrink in their world. And I had the same thing happen. And my response was to fight out, to get into trouble. And my father used discipline and hard work on a farm to school me, to teach me which was great during the time for, for my discipline and for my ability to take action, but it made me feel alone, desperately alone. Um, we didn't have a TV. I didn't know all the, the, the programs the kids were talking about at school. 
I felt desperately alone. And as I grew up and I got into my late teens, I used alcohol and drugs to try to numb that pain and build my confidence so I could connect with other people. And I think a lot of people do that. Unfortunately, in colleges today, I think you get four years of learning how to drink. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then you spend the rest of your life trying to undo those habits. And some of the CEOs in this world are doing cocaine and they're doing yep. it because they feel like they have to work 70 hours a week. So my lessons have come around. How do you run and operate your mind? They don't teach it in school. They don't give you those references. Um, in your biology class, and eventually you end up just trying to hit the next goal. So over time, what I've learned to do is spend a couple hours a day learning how to read uh, my, my mind and reprogram myself for greatness. And not that I'm great, but I've also learned that if you don't spend time in personal development, what we call personal development, learning how to run your brain, you're going to be run by your brain. And it's 95% fear-oriented. You're going to try to be comfortable. You're going to try to be successful. You're going to try to keep up with the Joneses. But that is a rat race that never ends and never ends in fulfillment. So as I talk to people out there, I watch people be unfulfilled, Mark, to be maybe even check off the box and get their motorcycle in a fancy car or to get the next promotion or be the top salesperson. But the question I would ask people is, are you on a path to being happy? Are you in path to being fulfilled while you're checking off all those boxes? Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more with you. Like, I, Rock, I have this theory, and it's this. The reason why colleges haven't gone bankrupt and the reason why everyone is still going is because basically everybody, uh, you know, is immersed in, like, this stereotypical culture where you drink you smoke, you eat bad food, you you know stay up at night, you don't have good health habits, and that's why nobody ends up dropping out because they just end up falling into this pattern. Um, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but you know I think there's you brought up a lot of a lot of good points. So one thing I want to go into is you know when I was listening to your story just now, you know it, it's kind of like we take this action, we just keep moving into these patterns because you know we're trying to prove something um and you know too much action or indiscriminate action you know it's our own path and sometimes it can be not so efficient not so effective um so what what drove you you know when you were when you were a kid um that kind of built this this constant action because that's a very you know interesting attribute that you know a lot of different you know high performers um, seem to have yeah so that's a great question actually I like the way you frame that so mm. proving by the way is a great catalyst or fire starter for success but it'll never maintain it so you know look at somebody like mike tyson he probably fought to prove to somebody that i'm good enough that i'm strong enough that i can beat you up because he felt like he didn't belong somewhere or he or he didn't fit in but over time, he sabotaged himself because the spirit, our body's spirit, never wants to just prove because there's always comparing. It should be about being your personal best for the sake of that you were given the God-given right to be a human on this planet and to make a difference and contribute to others. So proving starts it, but never maintains it, and that's why people sabotage themselves. So 
over time, what you want to do is you want to be able to find a little bit of a reason to do something that's important to you. Like maybe you want to, you know, build a company, uh, you want to make sales. For me, I remember when I was 13 years old, my brother was older, had a little scooter, and he used to taunt me to go riding on it. He'd say, like, hey, you want to ride on the, on the little motorcycle? I'm like, yeah. He'd say, come on over here. And I'd sit on it, and he'd, he'd hold the handles for me. He'd rev the gear. He'd say, so you go like this, you go like this, you just drive up, don't crash it. He goes, you, you, you're going to get this. It's gonna be super fun. I'm like, yeah, and I had a big smile on my face. And then just as I was about to go, he goes, okay, hold, hold this handle. And then he'd shove me off into the dirt. He'd jump on it literally spin the tires and spin sand in my face and run off. And I felt so humiliated and so, so not part of something that I remember after a few times him doing that, I said, oh, I'm not getting sucked into that again. But I decided I would work my butt off, make money and get my own motorcycle. And by the time I was 14, I did. But every day that I worked, Mark, every day that I did an extra little chore, I shoveled somebody's driveway or I cut somebody's lawn in the middle of the heat, or I stayed up late after school and did some work, I developed a work ethic because of the pain of not getting to fit in, have the joy of the freedom of the motorcycle or belonging with my brother. I think what happens for a lot of people is when they have an event like that, rather than turn pain into passion and drive, they cushion it. They take a drug, they eat some food, they watch Netflix. They numb the pain. I didn't have all those resources to numb the pain, so I was kind of forced or given less choices, and I just chose to find a way to win. If mm. people could understand that, when you're given a pain, when you lose the game, when you lose the game of Monopoly to your brother, or you lose the football game, or you miss out on the girl, or you don't get to be the class president, or you don't get to you know, beat the competition with your company, you lose out on the contract. What I got really good at was turning that pain, that, that pain in the moment, into drive, into passion, into I will find a freaking way no matter what. Mm. And I would invite people to do the same thing. Use pain as a gift, as, a, as an opportunity. Don't play the victim and think that, oh, I wish it didn't happen. Oh, I was unlucky. The life is mm. happening to me. It's unfair. It's a bullshit story for losers. So turn pain into power. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you do, when you are faced with that pain, with a major adversity, you know, one thing that I've heard you say before is when you're down and you think there's nothing left, that's the foundation to grow from. And I know a lot of different yes. people that have hit, you know, quote unquote, rock bottom. Um, for me, when I hit rock bottom, I wasn't even aware that I was in rock bottom until after the fact. And, you know, I just ended up doing these things unconsciously to sort of get me out of there. And as I've talked to a lot of different people, that's what they end up doing or maybe they meet somebody a mentor or maybe you know they have you know some more circumstances and you know what you said 
you know, you were just living in your environment and your environment developed you to be more resourceful. And I've come into that a lot of the times. And when you have the desire to find a way, no matter what, that is the ultimate kind of superpower. It's being the adaptation machine. And I think as humans, and especially the ones that I've seen to do amazing things such as yourself and really create impact of scale, that's a very similar pattern I've noticed. So what I want to ask you is when you do hit that rock bottom and maybe you don't, maybe you know it, maybe you don't, how did you start end up climbing out of that? Yeah, so well said, Mark. Love the way you language that. Thank you know, you. it's irrelevant. Frick, it's irrelevant if mm. it's rock bottom or not. It's a freaking opportunity. I don't know if I can mm. swear on this, but I want to. Go ahead. Go <laughs> for it. It's a freaking opportunity for you to just step the fuck up. Like, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. The ultimate confidence comes from your decision that you make in your mind, I will succeed. I will find a way. An ant does not go walking along and go, oh, I hope there's a meal that comes my way over here. If you put up a wall for an ant, what does it do? It just turns and goes the other way. Put up another wall. It turns and goes the other way. Put up another wall. It climbs Mm. the wall. It goes over the wall. It goes under the wall. It doesn't stop. People stop. Don't stop. And the reason people stop is they don't have a clear vision of the purpose for their life. I was fortunate enough that I developed two things that you must have if you're going to have massive success. Number one is a work ethic. Mm. I just keep on showing up. I show up early. I stay late. I Somebody says, you know, there's an overtime shift. I'm like, yes. Mm. People have to learn to say yes to things without having the the how even knowing what it is can somebody hey i need a volunteer the, the boss says says to a group i need a volunteer i throw my hand up yes what is it and they go but you don't even know what it is i don't care mm. i'm in people don't live that way they sit back and they wait well i don't want to volunteer what if it's hard work who cares you'll grow a freaking muscle you'll develop something you'll learn something so number one is you got to have a work ethic and number two is you must remain passionately curious. Do you think Elon Musk is a curious person? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you think that, you know, Tiger Woods, who's making a comeback, remained curious on how to overcome back surgeries, knee surgeries, mm-hmm. overcome the stupid mistakes he made, if you will, and to come back and find a new way to reinvent himself? How many times he changes golf swing in his career, even though he's number one? Because he's passionately curious. Mm. Einstein said that he was not the smartest guy, but he was the most curious. He remained with the problem longer. When everybody else said there's no way, he kept on toiling away. So the question is not, is this rock bottom? Is this mm. difficult? Is Who cares? Yeah. Find a way. Persist. Be enthusiastic. Excited. Winston Churchill said that success is the ability to remain enthusiastic in spite of the setbacks. And I live by that. I don't look for problems. Mm. I look for the opportunity in all situations. First off, I just want to say, um, you know, going back to, you know, the the kinds of behaviors that that you were engaged in and, you know, having all this different kind of, um, you know, subconscious patterns and, and different repeated routines that, um, you know, I think really, really impact our lives. And I think a big part of that is identity. And I believe that, you know, you mentioned this before, but, you know, you were labeled some different word by, you know, maybe a kid, a parent, a teacher. 
and all these different kinds of labels end up forming how we treat ourselves. Yeah, that's a big piece of my work is the power of your identity. The way you see yourself as well as the way you think other people see you is ultimately how you end up behaving. We develop these labels such as I'm shy or what have you that have either been suggested to us or through evidence we accumulated. If you walk into your classroom on a regular basis, I'm working with this kid right now who's quote-unquote ADD, Mm. he's constantly making the other children in the room laugh. He's getting a lot of feedback that he's a funny person. He's self-labeling himself or other people are labeling himself as a funny person. He now walks into a classroom. What is his inner narrative? He Mm. now needs to make people laugh. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Robin Williams, who passed away, was diagnosed with Parkinson's and some other disease toward Mm. the end of his career, and he had an addiction to making people laugh. Mm. When he started to lose that toward the end of his life, he didn't have the speed anymore, the quickness. He became depressed, and he took his own life. His outward video didn't meet his inner audio, and he Mm. felt depressed, disempowered. If you can't match your outside to your inside, you will become dysfunctional. Mm. If all of a sudden you are, you think you're shy and then, I don't know, you smoke something, you do something and you're all of a sudden this hilarious person, Mm. your peer group that's used to you will go, Mark, what's up with you? You're like hilarious. You're outgoing. You're, they might even literally say to you, what are you on? Right? Because people get used to an identity. The strongest force in human nature is our desire to remain consistent with how we describe ourselves or how others have labeled us. So when we start to understand this, we can reprogram ourselves and we can go from shy, introverted to every day in every way, I'm more and more outgoing. I have fun being curious and playful and asking people questions. You start to language and teach yourself that you can reprogram your mind. Your mind is your slave. It's just a computer. Mm. But people don't know this, so somebody tells them when they're young and innocent at six years old that you're stupid, you'll never amount to much, or that you're shy, or you're weak, or you're small, short, skinny, fat, you're too this, Mm. you're too that, and they spend the rest of their life living that out. The problem with that, Mark, is that they start to develop files, thousands of references of them being too shy or Mm. too short. Why? Because they look for the evidence to match the inner story. They're short. And somebody says, somebody picks them last for the basketball team. And they go, yeah, I know. Somebody would have picked me if I wasn't so short. Mm. And they tell themselves that story. And they Mm. create, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Anyway, it's a long piece. But the bottom line is that if you really want to be successful, if you really want to change the results on the outer world, you've got to understand that the inner world is created by the outer world. Mm. Pardon me, the, the inner world creates the outer world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got to talk, talk yourself into your future. Mm. Think about a great athlete, a super athlete. He's like, you know, Muhammad Ali, I'm the best in the world, right? Mm. He talked himself into it. I don't think that Tom Brady is going, man, I suck as a quarterback, I'm terrible. He misses a pass, he erases that short-term memory, and he's on to the next thing. Make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I know a, a great saying that, that you have is 
the words that follow I am follow you. And that's so, so amazing, especially, you know, when we're living our lives. And, you know, one thing you've also talked about is, you know, walking into a room and feeling that identity. And then, you know, for example, feeling like an outsider, feeling like you're isolated. Um, but, you know, what what to you does, you know, the power of I am mean? It totally means that whatever you want to shape yourself to become, you're going to have to have that inner conversation with yourself. I mean, we've all had somebody come up to us and tell us something. My mentor, when I was in my late 20s, he came up to me and he says, you know, you've got an amazing work ethic. And if you would be willing to be coached by me, I could make you into a great salesperson. But my identity from my youth was built by my father mostly, who was the most impactful tactful person that I wanted his love from. I wanted his respect. And he kept on telling me, you know, life is difficult. You're going to have to work hard. It's not a lot of fun. Money doesn't grow on trees. So I just lived that out for 20 years. I ended up being somebody that was um, a taxi driver, a laborer, a carpenter. Mm. I cut lawns. I painted. I did all the things that my father suggested I should do. I became that programming. But when this new mentor came along, what happened was I was able to believe him. He suggested, Rock, I can turn you into a salesperson. You just have to be willing to be coachable. So I borrowed his belief in me, and I changed it from I am a hard worker to I am a smart worker. Mm -hmm. I'm the best real estate agent in Montreal. And people are lucky if they list their property with me. And I just kept on saying it over and over again. And then my mind started to look for the evidence that this was possible. And slowly but surely, I started to fill the files in my brain with the evidence. I made a sale. Then I made another one. Then I mm. got better. Then I started to ask questions by being passionately curious. I had to handle objections. Mm. Before I knew it, four years later, I was selling 100 homes a year. The average agent sold six. That's fantastic. And, you know, what? one thing I wanted to ask you is um, – you know what? What is it about the 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 power of mentors? Um, you know, I know for you they've been absolutely transformative. For me, it's been extraordinary as well. Um, but you know, what is it about getting somebody in your life to maybe say something, maybe in a way that you've always heard, but crafted in a in a particular uh, communication? style that makes you really understand it or maybe it forces you to to be better yeah so here's my theory on that is all humans want to belong they want to matter they want to make a difference and if you don't have those elements in place the spirit becomes disturbed that's why people you know some students take a gun and they go into a student uh, school and they shoot people because they don't mm. feel they belong they don't feel they matter they don't feel like they're making a difference so when that is disrupted, people become dysfunctional. They want to do everything they can to reach that. And the way you do that is by supporting, encouraging, and challenging the human spirit. A great football coach will not only challenge, but they'll encourage and support an athlete. Mm. A great teacher will not just say, you're an idiot, you failed your math exam. They will go back to them and say, hey, you got a bunch of these questions right. Um, I think you should do some tutoring. That's the support part. Um, and I know you can do better. So I want to challenge you to do 20 minutes a day of these times tables so you can get better. And then this, the student responds to it. Mm. In the lack of the support, encourage, and challenge, 
ecosystem being available to any human spirit, it is my opinion the person will not thrive. So a mentor is comfortable with your future. Your friends are comfortable with your present. Mm. A mentor is somebody you admire and you respect. So you look at them and you go, I want to be like them. How did you learn how to walk? You had a mentor called your parent. How mm. did you learn to talk? You had a mentor probably called your parent or guardian. How did you learn to do things like ride a bike or you know, to do your first drawing? You had a mentor. What did they do? They supported you, encouraged, and challenged you. A parent that taught you to draw didn't go, hey, stupid, you don't do it like that. Hopefully a good parent. And then you would have shrunk down. You would have not taken action. Does that make sense? Yeah. What they did is they said, oh, my God, that's so good. You think sometimes you look at a parent with their child that the child does a stupid little drawing or, or tries to kick the ball and misses and falls, and the parent still generally will support them, pick them up and go, oh, that was really good. Try again. Try again. There's massive amounts of encouragement. A mentor comes along and sees somebody like you, Mark, and says, He's got a work ethic. He's willing to show up. He's hungry. And he's curious. I will pour into him. And you'd be surprised. People like myself, we are looking for people that we can pour into because the human spirit wants to pass wisdom down. There's a pride in having somebody rise up. I was just watching um, on a flight back this um, documentary on the greatest football team, um, the Chicago Bears in 85. Mm-hmm. And Mike Ditka, who, who led them, he says, mm-hmm. there's something phenomenal about winning a Super Bowl. He goes, there's something amazing about coaching guys and helping them be the best they can. He goes, but I can't really describe being the orchestra leader of a team when all those parts come together. He goes, it's phenomenal. People want to mentor other people. They just lack hungry souls because unfortunately our system teaches people to play small, to drink, to do drugs, to bully, to pull people back. The story of the two crabs, I don't know if you know this one, but you put a crab that's a fisherman puts a crab into a bucket and the crab crawls out because it can. You throw a second crab in and as soon as one starts to crawl out, the other crab grabs that crab back and pulls it back in. And the fisherman doesn't have to put a net on that bucket. He doesn't have to do anything because they hold each other back. And unfortunately, our society is built that way. You try to stand out, people go, who the heck do you think you are? Oh, it's easy for you, dickhead. Oh, yeah, well, you got the easy path, Mm. or you're really smart, or your parents helped you. Fostering and developing winners is so not encouraged in our environment. Sometimes yeah. you think it is, but it isn't really. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And I had a conversation with this um, this kid that's like eight years old. And he was just telling me that, like, I don't know how this came up, but he was just telling me that, like, the world is a terrible place. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then I, you know, gave him some information about how the world is improving and life's never been better and you know it just really really made me come to the conclusion that you know probably in his classroom from the maybe the kids maybe it's the teacher maybe it's who maybe it's his parents whatever it is they're really influencing that that person and when you are influenced like that that's what you end up seeing in the entire 
um, world. One thing that was really interesting to me when I was um, doing my research on you was uh, NLP. I had to look it up, neuro-linguistic programming. Um, what, what is that and, and how have you used that throughout your life? The interesting thing is that a lot of people don't realize that words actually are used to mm. create internal pictures, and those pictures are what give us a feeling or a meaning. Mm. You know, if I start to describe, you know, we do this in some of our seminars, is imagine walking into the kitchen, Mark, and you walk up to the, to the cutting board and you cut open a lemon, mm. and this juicy lemon starts you know, is staring you in the face and drips down on the side of the knife. I want you to cut a sliver of it. I want you to bring it up to your mouth. And I want you to imagine yourself taking this huge bite of this juicy lemon. And it squirts in your mouth and you taste the lemon. 99% of people, when you do that, will say that saliva started to develop in their mouth. Yes. That makes sense? Yes. But we didn't do anything except describe an image. So neuro-linguistic programming is about the science behind the power of words. And when you use words to describe something to yourself, like you say, I'm tired and I'm really discouraged and I'm unhappy and I'm so frustrated because my friend, you know, stole my girlfriend or stole my homework or whatever, you language yourself into a mood and through a mood, it creates movement or no movement. So the beauty of neuro-linguistic programming is you can say to yourself, every day and every way, I feel happier and happier for no good reason. The words that follow I am follow me, and I am gifted, guided, grateful, powerful, passionate, playful, and becoming more and more successful. Each adversity I turn into an opportunity for growth. I'm excited about my life. I can't wait to meet new people and ask them cool and interesting and passionate questions. You can start to language yourself into a person that will take way more action. People want generally two things in their life. To change a behavior, become more of something, or to change an emotional state. They want to go from depression, discouraged, frustrated, to happy, playful, excited. So neuro-linguistic programming is the, is the science behind having the ability to harness that power and to be able to create a lot of momentum in your life. Very well said. So I know for my journey, a big part of me changing my behaviors um, was a lot of leveraging different tools and maybe avenues that I learned about, like um, meditation, uh, eating healthy, um, di- you know, different forms of uh, exercises, cold showers, this, this, and that. Um, and you know, one thing I really, uh, was interested by is just be, you know, living life from, from the present moment. Um, you know, I had the, I had the privilege of, um, speaking to Stephen Kotler on this podcast and, you know, he really goes into flow and what, you know, being in presence is, is all about. So I was just wondering, you know, do you have any similar uh, different kinds of tools, avenues that have assisted you um, on your journey? Yeah, I do. And I would agree with the meditation piece. I would mm. say that, you know, what your listeners might want to understand is that over time, your mind, which has one job, which is to get you to survive, not thrive, to protect you, to keep you alive. It's a simple mandate 
is it starts to develop conditioned files for your response to certain scenarios or situations. Mm. And the more that you develop that, the older you become. And that's why I say remain passionately curious. You see old people, that you, they're like, hey, do you want to go over there? They go, oh, no, I've been to that mall before. That's it this way. I go, what do you want to go and do this? No, I don't want to do that. That's boring. Hmm. So what happens is that the brain starts to block off possibilities. You can see an older person that is young at heart, and they're spontaneous. They're open. They're playful. They're creative. So ultimately, if you want to have a great life, you've got to manage your mindset. Your mindset mm. is continue to keep you young. That's things like meditation, which creates the pathways open to new possibilities. It's staying away from a point of view that you think works for you. It's not being righteous and thinking you know the answers. The more that I learn, Mark, is the less I know. I know so little. I'm, I'm, I'm in my 50s, and I'm just beginning to understand that I know nothing. But what I, what I do know is that I remain open and curious to learning other things. Probably 60 or 70% of what I do is incorrect, mm. and, then I course, and then I course correct. Mm. And so many people that come to you, and unfortunately I would say that there's a lot of teenagers they think they've figured it all out, and that's their identity mm. struggling to create certainty. They're like, they don't need their parents anymore. I say my kids get hijacked from about 17 to 20. They think they've figured it all out. And then like Tiger Woods said to his father, he goes, the older I get, the smarter you become, Dad. Yes. Because he starts to realize he doesn't know what he doesn't know. So I would say remain humbly curious. Figure a few things out. Get some great mentors. And it's a reason I created a mastermind group called Go Abundance and M1 is because your environment is stronger than willpower. And the most important contributing factor to your success are going to be the conversations you have either through reading books, listening to podcasts, or the people around you. So I purposefully choose to add people that are badasses into my life. And if you're toxic and you're, pardon me, a loser, then I start to move away from you being in my ecosystem because my thought process is too valuable for me to be infected by your negative long-term being. Man, that was the best thing I've heard all day ever since I've started this podcast and just learning from unbelievable people like yourself. I've just learned so much. I don't even <laughs> – like it's just so hard to even um, – you know, comprehend. But um, I do think that's such a great point to to have that level of open mindedness. And you know, I I stumbled into this trap of you know thinking you know everything and kind of you know closing off and just kind of you know arguing with everything. And you know, it's really not not a good one. And I think it definitely takes its toll. Um, so one. Another thing that I wanted to ask you is, you know, just just by seeing your content, seeing by the the, the stuff you write about, you know, it's unbelievably um, practical in really, you know, building your life up. But I think this is also practical. But you know, in terms of your um, spirituality, uh, it's a 
it's a big aspect in, in, in my life and a lot of the, the, the other people that I know. And, you know, what, what kind of role of, um, really spirituality, have you always been, um, in touch with it as, as, as you are now? What is it, what does it mean to you? And, um, you know, what kind of influence has it had? I know that's a very big question, but. <laughs> well, I'm going to, I'm going to answer it in this state is that I think that there's different stages for everybody. Um, there's junk food eaters mm. and there's raw food eaters. So very, very healthy. There's people that don't work out. And there's people that work out religiously and take care of their body. People that hydrate and people that don't. There's also people that are junk food thinkers. So when you introduce spirituality to a junk food thinker who's just trying to find out what their next meal is, that Maslow's hierarchy of, of, of needs, mm. it's a hard conversation for people to get to, you know, enlightenment when they're like, dude, I don't have a roof over my head and I'm, I'm just trying to make ends meet. So I have tried to meet people where they're at and I try to get them if they're eating the McDonald's trio in their mind as their mental food. I try to get them to take a salad and replace the french fries with a salad or get some water mm. instead of the pop. So it depends where you are. It just, for me, the first thing is to understand what is your identity and what is your environment? How do you speak to yourself? Whose voice are you listening to? Are you listening to, you know, some of the great teachers on the planet or are you listening to your broke uncle? Mm. Look at your bank account, because if you've graduated from college and you have student debt, visa card debt, and you've got a, a car that's beyond your means and you're borrowing from your parents living in their basement, you are not, you do not have a money blueprint that is conducive to being wealthy. Make sense? Yeah. So I got to, I got to meet you there. We got to talk about taking responsibility, mm. living below your means. What are the, what is the. Uh, blueprint that you have, which is your belief systems. Do you believe that um, life should be easy and the government should take care of you mm. or that um, tomorrow will has all the answers? I say to some people, you think that tomorrow's intentions can pay uh, today's bills. You're deluding yourself. Most people mm. are delusional, Mark. Mm. So yeah, absolutely. got to meet people where they're at and take them to the next level of their junk food diet. Mm. And eventually they're going to um, get to the next level and be a little bit better. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, you know, the, the examples you mentioned, I think nutrition uh, and, 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 you know, what you put in your body, what, you know, you see on your, uh, phone every day. I think all that stuff is just unbelievably important because it ends up shaping you. And, you know, the more and more I learn, um, I, you know, I come across, um, a lot of different things, but ultimately, you know, I just want to say, um, you know, thanks rock for, for coming on. I want to take a moment here to acknowledge you. The show's called humans 2.0 and, uh, you without a doubt are human 2.0, you know, ever since that, um, you know, I saw that video on Goalcast. You know, I know that we'd speak and, you know, eventually sometime meet. And, um, you know, I just love what you say. And I think it's just so ingrained with uh, meaning that really enables everyone to understand uh, what you're really saying on that human to, to, to human level. 
Um, Rock, where can people learn more about you if they're interested in checking that out? Yeah, social media, of course, Instagram, Facebook. I have a few Facebook groups, um, Rock Thomas International. I do some lives there, so if they're looking for some free content, they can do that. They want my book, The Power of Your Identity. They can get that for free by going to rockthomas.com. If they want to know more about being part of a mastermind group or an ecosystem of uh, badasses, they can go to goM1.com and learn about um, learn about some of the tribes that I've created there that are, through the use of technology, you can be part of an ecosystem online and come to some of our events if that's something that interests you. So any one of those or all of those ways is a cool way. That's so much, Rock. So the last thing that I like to do here on this show is have my guests leave the audience with the self-inquisitive question. You know, I've learned that the, some questions that you can ask yourself are, uh, are really powerful. So I'd love it if you could ask my audience uh, a self-inquisitive question. Yeah, can I tell a short story with it? Of course. Okay. So when I was 40 years old, I ran a marathon, and two months later, hair started to fall out of my head. And I was at the at the the barber, and I was getting a cut. Those dudes, you got like you got like a round circle the size of an apple in the back of your head, missing hair. Like you gotta be kidding me! And he showed me in the mirror, and I my heart started to race, and my thoughts inside were, "Am I dying? Am I am I do I have cancer?" And I started to ask questions that were disempowering and fear-based because that's what the mind offers us initially. Hmm. And it's grappling to try to protect us, to get us to, it uses fear as a, as a fulcrum for us to look at things differently. Unfortunately, if you stay in that place, you, you, you can't function. And I did for a while, for a week or two, I was beside myself and, and I was questioning and I was trying to get appointments with doctors, et cetera, until finally... I was diagnosed with something called alopecia. And alopecia is just um, a disease of, of the hair follicles of the immune system, but it doesn't doesn't have any other ill effects. So when I found out, and the hair kept within two months, all the hair fell out of my body. And the initial, you know, question people ask themselves is, "Why wow, this happening to me?" You know, mm. and they feel unresourceful and they feel like life is happening to them. But I had had learned through NLP and through some of my mentors that there's huge power in questions as, as you've so you know, well pointed out. Hmm. And I developed one of my favorite questions for times of adversity. And I was, over time, it took me a while, I was kind of new at this, but I've developed it quite well now. Whenever something negative happens to you, and negative I mean not what you expected, um, you can ask a very powerful question and you can redirect your focus because we've all had something happen. I'm sure you've had this happen, Mark, where, you know, something negative happened. You didn't get picked here. You didn't make it on the team or mm. you didn't make the sale or what have you. And then something better happened later. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And we and we thought to ourselves, why didn't I laugh about this in the moment? Why didn't I realize something better was going to happen? I was so caught up. I was like depressed for three days or I felt like an idiot or blah, blah, blah. And then later we think, God, if I could just laugh sooner. And and this question is going to help people focus on the benefits of everything that happens to you. you got to believe that life happens for a reason. But I asked myself, W-G-A-T, people jot that down, what's great about this? And you know what? My brain said, well, you're never going to have a bad hair day again. You're 
you, you, you don't have to spend money on shampoo or on a barber. And even to this day, Mark, I get a massage once a month on the money I would spend on getting my hair cut and on shampoo and all that sort of stuff. And I walk out of the, the massage, um, you know, place, whatever, massage envy, whatever. And I'm like, yes, alopecia. Thank you. <laughs> and I celebrate something that happened in my life and I make it positive because I remember there's always something great about everything if you're willing to be creative enough to look for it. A small fender bender, you meet your girlfriend. You, I have a mm. client who missed a flight, went on another flight and met her husband you know, by ending up on that flight. It doesn't seem like it in the moment. Sometimes you have to ask the advanced question, what could be great about this to trick your brain and then continue at it and look for it mm. and then you find out that you know i don't have to ever have any wax take you know waxing of my back and because i have no hair and most people um you know what they do is they they feel bad about shit that's happened in their life and they play victim to it they give up their power to the outside source so long answer to your question is hey people ask yourself what's great about this and keep on pushing till your mind finds the answer because it will find the answer Man, that's so powerful, and I hope everyone out there listening really, truly understood that and you know benefited from this conversation as much as I did. Rock, I don't want to leave it on any stronger note than that. Thank you for coming on. Thank you to everyone out there for listening. This has been your host, Mark Metry. Damn, you made it till the end of the podcast. That's really rare in the age of digital distraction. This really means the world to me. I really hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to hop on over to my website, Mark Metry, or message me on social media. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. My name is Mark Metry, M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you learned in this episode and I'll be sure to get in touch with you and if you really really love the podcast I'd highly appreciate it if you went on iTunes right now and left me a review it helps way more than you know let's get this humans 2.0 grassroots movement going Woo! get out there and do something impactful today